Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live. We come to you this and every Saturday. I've got to say, you know, most of our time zones in the East Coast, we're at noon. And of course, you know, Central's 11. I normally live in Central, but I'm actually here in the UK where it is 5 p.m. And I guess I'm probably the only moody radio host who's now just broadcasting since we're living in the UK. We're broadcasting from Oxford. Actually, I'm in London right now. And so I uh, have the privilege of, because of the genius technology of our amazing team at Moody Radio. We have this uh, little device that I, I just flew up today from Prague with this little device in my in my suitcase. And boom, now here we're connected as well. So let me thank our team. Karen Hendren is our engineer. She's making all this magic happen. Uh, Karen is our producer. Courtney Young is our engineer. He's making all this magic happen. Karen makes all those connections happen as well. And I'll share more about the team a little bit later on as well. My name is Ed Stetzer. I am normally, I live in Wheaton, Illinois, where I serve as a dean and professor at Wheaton College. But for this uh, autumn, they don't say fall here, for this autumn, I'm a professor at Oxford University uh, living here. And of course, having the privilege of being your radio host on Saturdays. And we're going to take your calls as well. We actually have a guest, a special guest. Well, I guess all our guests are special. But Lisa's special. Lisa Bevere is going to be our guest today. She is an American uh, international speaker, best-selling author, co-host of the Messenger television program, which actually broadcasts in more than 20 countries. Uh, She shares God's word uh, woven with personal experiences to empower lives with freedom and transformation. I was telling her just before the show that there are some of her books have been on the bedstands at our home. Donna, my wife, uh, reads, and also I think one of my daughters has as well. Uh, but Lisa has authored several books. If you go to edstetzerlive.com, you can click on the link and find all of the books there. But we're going to talk specifically about her new book. It's called Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You which is actually a pretty fascinating title. And I think we're going to get into a great conversation today. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us on Ed Stetzer Live. I am so thrilled that I get to be with you. And I'm I'm so excited that you're in the UK. I actually just got back from Italy. And I heard you say an American. I don't know if you know this. I'm actually a dual citizen. I'm an Italian citizen and a US citizen. Nice. Okay, good. My wife is also, she's Canadian and U.S. So I like, dual citizens are amazing because you get to go places on different passports. And I am just a simple American who sometimes when they look at my passport, they 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 don't smile at us. But with Italians and Canadians, <laughs> everyone loves you. <laughs> everyone, everyone so, loves us. We're, we're feeding yeah, the world exactly. as the Italians. <laughs> That's that's so true. That's so true. Actually, we're uh, we're here. Don and I are here in London, and we're saying we should go out to an Italian restaurant. But here we are in London. Not exactly. The UK is not known for its food, but there are some wonderful places as well. But anyway, let's get to the topic at hand because I really found your book fascinating. This idea, because I mean, part of what I you know I want people to think deep thoughts about God, and 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 so do you. Um, and in thinking deep thoughts about God, one of the things we need to realize is God is actually thinking well about us. So, and and this is going to tie into your spiritual journey. This is going to tie into some things that you've been learning as well. If you don't mind, let's start at the beginning for some of maybe some of our audience will know you. I think most will. Uh, but tell me a little bit about you and how you came to Christ because I know that ties into the story. Absolutely. Well, I was raised to be an exceptional heathen. I did not even hear the gospel until I was 21 years of age. And when I heard it for the first time, Ed, I was so overwhelmed by the love of God. Now, I I had was like, wait a minute. Are you telling me there is this God who loves me? 
I had a revelation of a God who was probably judging me, but not a God who loved me. And it was my now husband of 40 years that was witnessing to me at the time. And he was, you know, using Campus Crusades, incredible tools and asking me all these questions. And I finally just said, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I need to do. Do I need like candles? What, what needs to happen? But I want to do this Christian thing right now. And so on my first date with John, I got radically saved. And I remember John said, well, you're saved. And I said, what does it even mean? And he said, it means you're whole again, spirit, soul, and body. And now this is the funny part. So I said, wait a minute, I'm Italian and I can't eat cheese. Are you telling me now that I'm a Christian, I can eat cheese? And John like panicked. He said, he grabbed my hands and just said, Basically, God, if you can save this heathen, you can heal her. And on my first date with John, I got born again and completely healed of lactose intolerance. Isn't that crazy? I just felt all the knots in my stomach untied. Wow. So, so I kind of thought anybody that does that on the first date, you might as well marry him. <laughs> That's actually an amazing story and uh, and fascinating at multiple levels. Okay, so you came to faith in Christ, Lord, I mean, yes. radically saved from this heathen yes. background. I love that. And you said that when you came to Christ, you were very aware of God's love for you. Uh, you yes. thought you write something about being aware that he saw you as his daughter. Why is that yes. connection so important and so powerful? Well, first of all, I find a lot of Christians, they 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 become a Christian because they have an awareness at first of the love of God, or they're like, Hey, I don't want to go to hell when I die. It's either one of the, uh, or the other, but they begin to start thinking like what was a gift in the beginning now has to be earned as they move through their life. And I remember again, I got saved in the eighties, which was an interesting time to become a Christian. And I remember just watching other people pray and hearing them say things like, God, I want you to use me, use me to do this, use me to do this, use me to do that. And so I thought, okay, that's how we pray. That is how real Christians pray. And I was praying that way one day and, and I heard the spirit of God say, Lisa, have you ever been used by a friend? And I thought, yes, I have. And he said, how did you feel? I, I felt betrayed. He said, what about a boyfriend? I'm like, I thought you didn't remember those things. And he said, Lisa, I don't use people. He said, who you are to me is more important than anything you will ever do for me. See, we have this idea that God is waiting for us to do things for him when he actually really wants to do things with us. And so God anoints us, he heals us, he transforms us. You know, he gives us his word to renew our mind, but it is the enemy who ends up using people. And it's interesting to me, Ed, you see this, this play out when people are standing in front of the Lord saying, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal the sick? Did I not cast out devils? And those are all things that we do for him. And he's like, depart from me, I never knew you. And so having an intimate relationship with God is actually vastly more important than trying to do things for him. Hmm. And that's a key theme in the book. The book is, again, Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. And, uh, and you know, and I want to kind of come to that, you know, when we're talking about how does God 
think about us. And because, you know, God's got a lot on his mind. <laughs> he's got he he's got a lot of a lot of atoms he's holding together that are not flying apart and all those other things. So so why does it matter that we understand that God thinks about us? Well, first of all, I think most people think that God is fiercely judging them. They think that when he is thinking about them, that he's thinking about all the ways they failed yesterday, uh, about how they didn't pray enough or they didn't read their Bible enough. It's always the not enough thing. And I, I have such a sense that when I read the Psalms, that David had a revelation that I was missing. He, he, you know, when he's talking about Psalm 139, he says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. He doesn't say your thoughts about Billy Graham. He said, okay, I'm having a personal thought about you. He said, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So that tells us a couple of things. Number one, God has treasured good, precious thoughts towards us, not thoughts of judgment and rejection. That's that's something that Jesus took for us. But then he also has innumerable thoughts. Not So like that is crazy. He doesn't have just a single thought. He doesn't just say, well, I'm going to love Ed because Jesus died for him. I don't really like Ed. No, God is actually always thinking about, man, I want to surprise Ed. You know what? He's going to do something amazing. He's going to go to Oxford. He's going to teach her. God has thoughts and he has plans. Now, the enemy has uh, accusations and he has schemes. But then he goes on to say, and when I wake, you are still there with me. So he never leaves us. It's constant, it's good, and it's innumerable. And I think when we have those kind of revelations and imprint on our heart, then we, we settle a lot of issues. When we've received that kind of love from God, I can give love to other people. Fascinating. The phrase fully known and fully loved comes to mind. You know, we, we, uh, yes. I think it was Tim Keller who says to be loved, but not known is comforting, but superficial to be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is well, a lot like being loved by God. Um, I want to invite our audience as well to engage with us. They're going to give us, give us the opportunity uh, to call in as well. And in doing so, we'll kind of have a conversation about Lisa's new book. Uh, her new book is called Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. Your calls are welcome at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Going to continue our conversation with Lisa Bevere and your calls in just a moment, talking about, well, God's thoughts about us. We'll look forward to talking to you and your calls in just a moment. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. We're back at Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the executive director for the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center and your radio show host this and every Saturday at this time. Psalm 8, 4 says, What is man? 
that you are mindful of him and the Son of Man, that you care for him? A question that people have asked for a long time in very different ways. And Lisa Bevere has a new book which, well, dives deeply into another psalm, Psalm 139 in particular. The book is called Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. At least I wonder, you know, we've all been through a lot of uncertainty in the last few years, still going through it. Um, you, you bring a message that people need to know, be aware of, and really drink deeply from the idea they're deeply loved by God. Why is that more important now? Is that is that always important? Help us to think through the, why that's so important this moment. Well, you know, I love that you're highlighting that. It's always been important, but I don't think there's been a time where it's been more in question where people are like, wait, what is going on? It feels like everything is being turned upside down. You know, right is wrong, wrong is right. Everything that once was has been challenged on one level or the other. And so I think having that foundational truth of God's love for me, God's mindfulness of me, having this ability to press beyond legalism and to lean into a covenant, which is something that David did before anybody had this understanding. I think it's time that we all get back to that, that we anchor ourselves in the love of God. And when I actually feel loved, I'm a lot nicer. And I, I just realized that it, mm. if we can change the way that I think God's thinking about me, it, it changes everything. And that was kind of my goal for the book was I was going to, I'm just going to say fierce love. This is a love that consumes those things that would unmake me and makes me more like the one who loves me. Okay. Say, say that one more time. And then if you don't mind, I want you to say it, but I want you to unpack that. That's got a lot in that sentence. Yes. So this is something that I found is that God's love for us has the power to transform us. And so none of us grow more into the image of God with shame or fear or judgment, but God actually loves us into who he created us to be. You know, it's like fully known, fully loved, like you said, but that idea of God is the only one who knows who I really am. Like I know who I've been and I might even know who I am in this moment, but he knows who I am becoming. And a lot of people don't go into the book of Revelations because it scares them. But there's these beautiful promises in the book of Revelations where it actually says that my real name is not Lisa, that there is a name that I'm alive here to grow into. It's a name that is on a white stone that only Jesus and myself will know. And so what's happening is love is transforming me into who I was created to be. This life is a vapor. Who I'm actually going to be is going to show up on the other side of eternity. I love how Corinthians says this, my body is actually like a seed and it goes into the ground and who I come up as is who I really am. And so this idea of God making me, transforming me into who I really am as I work with him, not that I do it for him, but as I work with him. So sin isn't just, oh, sin is bad and God hates sin. Sin actually unmakes us. Pride unmakes us. It undermines us. 
there's a, it, it's a message paraphrase, but I love how they put it in the book of Isaiah. And I believe it's Isaiah 41. I don't have it in front of me. It says, God will show us the way he works so we can live the way we were made. So when I have a revelation of a God who loves me, I begin to reflect how I'm actually was made to live. And then I grow into the image of the love. But, you know, we have a culture that thinks the opposite of love is hate. But I don't believe that the opposite of love is hate. I believe the opposite of love is fear. I also believe it's indifference. And so God actually, who is love, hates certain things. He talks about the things that he hates in Proverbs, and it's never people that he hates. It's things that he hates. And everything that God hates is about protecting who he loves. So he hates jealousy. He hates uh, when innocent lives are taken. He hates when evil is called good. He hates pride. He understands that pride is one of those things that puts us in a position where he has to resist us. And so those are just different things like love will come in and say, listen, Lisa, I that thing that you think is going to add value to your life is actually going to be destructive. You, uh, you mentioned that, that verse in the book of Revelation that I just happened to preach on it about, uh, to him who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Fascinating verse. Uh, a lot of you, I spent a lot of time in commentaries thinking through and working through that, but a beautiful picture about the one who knows us so deeply and so fully. And again, that's kind of a recurring theme. Uh, throughout the the book as well. Again, let me remind everyone the book is Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. Let me invite you to call in and engage conversation with us with your questions or your comments. We're actually going to, two brilliant questions and comments, we're going to give those callers uh, some copies of the book as well. We have a few copies of of uh, Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. The number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. So, Lisa, you clearly you dwell a lot in Psalm one thirty nine there, and you've already touched on it some. But it struck me. I mean, your your the way you were writing about David's understanding of God's love, um, and it's really. I mean, it's a remarkable psalm. It's a, it's a remarkable passage of scripture. Let me read. Just a couple of things out of it so people are aware. Uh, It's familiar to a lot of us. You have searched me, O Lord, and know me. You know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Right? It goes on and talks about how you hem me in behind and before. But then it says, um, it says, you hem in me behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And it just keeps going on and on with this kind of... um, intimate relationship. So why, as you wrote this, why, why did you just dwell so deeply in Psalm 139? So I have had this opportunity. John and I have been married 40 years. We've been in the ministry for 35. And at every time I've had a beautiful Christian come to me and say, I'm just afraid I'm going to miss God. I'm just afraid I'm going to make a mistake, which I'm just going to guarantee you, we all do. (laughs) But this whole idea of fear of disappointing their father, freezing them. I remember I was like, 
God, what is going on? Why do so many people get frozen? Why do I get frozen? Because I don't want to miss you. Because I, I don't know for clarity's sake if I, oh, was that really what I should do? And when I read Psalm 139, specifically verses 7 and 8, where you just quoted it, you hem me in behind and before but then there's this intimate portrayal of you lay your hand upon me. And when I read that, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, I am a really big target. The only way you're going to miss me is if you don't move. He, it's so crazy how he says his mercy and grace. What do they do? They follow us. So I can sit but when I move, even if I'm making a misstep, it says that I'm going to hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk you in it. So God can do more with somebody who is stepping forward in faith, believing, okay, you know what? I'm, going to, I'm just going to reach out and try this. He can move with that more than he can people that are just frozen in fear. And then I love that God gives you and I a reset every single morning. It says his mercy is new every single morning. I remember as a mother of four young boys, husband traveling, I just, I call it the blessed blur. I, I mean, I just remember yelling and chasing my kids. And then I'd lay in my bed every night and think, I shouldn't have yelled. I didn't do this right. I didn't, I had a, a mom list of every single thing that I felt like I had fallen short on. And I'd wake up in the morning overwhelmed, feeling defeated before my feet even hit the ground. And I had that revelation that God was like, baby girl, you need a reset today. You need mercy. You need to stop keeping a list against yourself because it weighs you down to such a level that all you're doing is repeating a pattern of failure and shame and defeat. Let's, let's go to some calls. we got some folks uh, lined up to, on the phones, and we appreciate that. Let's go first to Michael in Dayton, Ohio. Listen on W, I think, FCJ. Michael, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead. Yes. Um, my parents divorced when I was uh, five, and uh, you know, I, I came to faith as a, a junior in high school. But then, you know, a lot of my life was, was spent uh, acting out, uh, backsliding, and... Uh, you know, I think I was uh, afraid that, uh, you know, God would not be there for me. Uh, and I think I was acting out of that fear. And uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts on how God uh, thinks about the backslider and how he uh, acts to restore such a one so that they uh, get firmly on the path. Hmm. That's a great question, Michael. If you'll hold on for just a second, too, after Lisa answers, uh, Karen, my producer, will come on the phone and give you a copy of her book. Uh, Lisa, what do you think? Well, first and foremost, I, I love that we have this assurance that God has loved us with an everlasting love, and he draws us with loving kindness. And Michael, it sounds like you've, you already are back. So those days of loss, those days of as you said, acting out of pain. I mean, I feel like Ed and I can sit here as flawed human beings saying, oh, we completely understand that. I believe the father was drawing you the whole time. I believe he keeps no record of wrongs. That was another thing that was so beautiful to me in the scripture. Uh, when I first got born again, 
I remember John saying, you need to confess your sins. And, and Ed, I panicked. I thought, I do not remember them all. And he said, well, you just can confess you're a sinner. I said, I can so say that. But the Bible says, if God kept a record of wrongs, who would stand? No one. Hmm. And so those days are buried. Those days are not in a record against you, Michael, God, he saw, this is the beautiful thing about God. God is independent of time. So he sees the end at the beginning and he has drawn you and don't let the weight of those days of, you know, acting out, even think that they count against you. Cause I, I don't believe that. Mm, the joy of forgiveness, the joy of the gospel, the joy of the love of God all evident in those realities as well. So let me remind everybody too, we're going to give you, um, well, let me, I want to ask you real quickly, Lisa, but we're going to need to take a pause at the bottom, but um, how can understanding God's love even impact the church? Take about uh, 30 seconds to tell us that, and then we're going to continue on the other side. Well, I mean, I think the church is more known for what she is against than what she is for right now. And I think because the church has preached truth without love, our culture is responding by preaching love without truth. And I think the church right now needs first and foremost a revelation of God's love for them individually, and then they can get a revelation of how much he cares for the individual out there that right now we're not navigating life well with. Good. We're going to continue our conversation with Lisa. Uh, again, we're talking about her, her new book, her, her brand new book. It's, it's actually called Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. We're opening up to your calls as well. 877-548-3675 is our number. Uh, we've got several folks on the line uh, as well. We're going to get to your calls in just a moment. Again, our number is 877-548-3675. Talking about, well, God's a thoughts about us, God's love for us, and we're going to talk about some of the application of that, including taking your calls. More about how you and that can transform the church in just a moment. Again, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Sets Live. I'm actually live from London, um, which is not London, Kentucky, but actually the one on the other side. And so having a conversation here while uh, Don and I are living here this autumn and having some great conversations here from across the pond, as they say. And today we're talking to Lisa Bevere. Uh, Lisa's actually got a brand new book, Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. Uh, she's actually a New York Times bestselling author, has a uh, co-host the Messenger Television program, broadcasts in over 200 countries as well. She's got this new book, which talking about really God's thoughts or maybe understanding about us. I asked her to just touch on it before we took a break. So I want to come back to it and then we're going to go right to your calls. Again, our phone number is 877-548-3675. So you talked a little bit about how the love of God would transform the church. You mentioned a phrase that I, I actually use and love to use that we're known more for what we're against than what we're for. So if we dwelt more deeply in the love of God, uh, understood or believe that as fully as it is true, what would the church look like that would be different than the way it looks now? Oh my gosh, I can't even think of all the ways it would look completely different. But first of all, we would stop biting and devouring one another. I am yeah. so tired of the church being so excited about attacking the church. I, 
I had an opportunity a couple of weeks ago to speak at an event with somebody I greatly admire, uh, their stance, their, their fight for truth, virtue, but I also don't necessarily appreciate the approach. And I was talking and I said to her, I don't feel like this is the time to call people out. I feel like it's time to call people up. I, I just know how God interacts with me. Uh, whenever I feel shame or guilt, or if I've really messed up, or let's just even say how my husband interacts with me, he comes to me and, and speaks to a better thing. Like, I believe better of you. Like, that's, that's beneath how I see you. That's not who you really are. And I feel like if we could begin to speak to who people are becoming, rather than accuse who they've been, that would really go a long way. You know, it talks about how Jesus washes his bride with the water of the word. But yet I feel like right now, we've got people pulling up the skirt on the bride and throwing dirty water on her and saying, look at her shame. So do I think the church needs to grow in the love of God? Absolutely. Do I think there's things that need to be deconstructed? Absolutely. But if you deconstruct without a heart for reconstruction, it is simply destruction. And so I, I just want to see uh, the motivation not to be exposure, but the motivation to be, I'm going to evoke her beauty. That's, that's how I love it. it. talks about that this is how Jesus talks to the church. This is how a husband is to talk to his wife. And right now, Everybody is guilty till they can prove themselves innocent. Everybody is either for something or against something. And I just don't see those binary behaviors in Jesus's life. Whenever they tried to make him choose sides, he always flipped it back to the big answer instead of the small question. Oh, it's so good. That's so good. Let's go to Elaine, let's see, in Greenwood, Indiana. Wonderful town. Uh, Elaine, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Hello. Uh, my question is uh, talking to my grandchildren who do not feel loved. And then that last statement you just made about speaking to who we're becoming, not who we are. And they've stopped, all stopped going to church, and mainly because uh, they keep telling me they're going to find another one, but they don't feel loved in the church. They feel like it's constantly telling them who they are, not who they're becoming. And um, my first question was that how do I, as the grandma, can reach them? Because they, when I talk about it, they feel like, well, she's an old lady who's fiercely in love with the Lord and just doesn't understand today. And I don't mm -hmm. know how to reach them. Well, I think it's a great question. Let's, if you'll too, I'm going to have Lisa answer, but if you'll hold on the line after she answers so you can listen, uh, Karen Hendren, our producer, will come on and give you a copy of Lisa's book. So here's a grandma that wants to help these grandkids understand the love of God. What do you think, Lisa? Yes. Well, first of all, I am the grandmother of six, so I love talking to grandmothers. And I had a little Italian tea with four of my grandkids right before I got on with you Ed, and what I have found <laughs> is it's not so much about saying, I really want you guys to go to church, which of course, you know, we, we all want that, but to actually, as a grandmother, leverage that ability to actually speak blessing over my grandkids. 
I, my grandkids, they love to hear stories about the faithfulness of God in my life. They love to hear stories about raising, I had four boys, raising their dads. But I also talk to them because right now they're living in an age of confusion, comparison, identity crisis, and really listening to what they're saying. And then just say, you know, I've been praying about you. So I have a granddaughter, Sophia. I've been praying about you, Sophia. And do you know what I love about you? I love how tender your heart is. I love how you are such a, you're just such a great servant. You're just so passionate about truth, speaking uh, positive things. And, and I can even just wrap this around my marriage. My husband and I married for 40 years. First four years of our marriage looked like WWF wrestling. I had become an expert in my husband's weaknesses rather than his strengths. I thought if I actually celebrate his strengths, then he's just going to become arrogant. So I'm going to constantly point out his, his weaknesses and humble him and control him. And then I realized, wait a minute, my husband is not my enemy. He is my ally. And allies are experts in one another's strengths. I'm going to begin to celebrate their strengths rather than constantly highlighting their weaknesses. And I even think it'd be a great conversation to say, so, all right, so you're saying when you go to church, you don't, you don't feel loved. Wow. I just, I, I want to just affirm how loved you are. And no, that's not right. You know, wh what is it that made you not feel loved? And open up those conversations with them. And here's the thing. I believe in the power of prayer. Even though all four of my boys are married and I have six grandkids and none of them live in my house, that does not mean there is any distance when I can pray over them that, you know, one of my favorite prayers was in, in Isaiah, that my kids would be disciples taught of their Lord and great would be their peace and undisturbed composure. And I have declared that over my boys, my grandkids, that they are for signs and wonders and miracles, not for death and destruction. And I just think there's a lot of shifting happening right now in the body of Christ, but I would not, I would not be worried that it's the end of the story. By the way, too, let me mention, too, that Lisa, Lisa has written a lot of books, including New York Times bestseller. Um, and if, when you, I was about being a grandmother, I remember one of her earlier books a couple of years ago called Godmothers, Why You Need One, How to Be One. And you might want to check that uh, out as well. Now, we're talking today in particular about her, her newest book, Fiercely Love, God's Wild Thoughts About You, which is actually a devotional that I want to talk more about in just a minute. But let's let's take a, a another call, and then we'll get to the, uh, explain a little about the devotional format. We're going to go to Don in Rome, Georgia, since I went to college in Rome, Georgia. It's shorter there. I'll take Don and take you on the phone. You're live on the air, brother. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, great. Uh, I'm glad that you are familiar with our town. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm calling in probably... My wife should be here to mention this, although she's not by the phone. So I'm really sharing this for her. She didn't have the benefit of growing up with an earthly father. And uh, she was raised by her grandmother. And she's had many a struggle through her life experience, whereby uh, she has done her best through the years to try to relate to God the father as a loving father and she's had 
really a difficult time doing that, not being able to have any comparison of a, a earthly father that treated her, you know, loving and kind. And, uh, and I mentioned this to the screener. We would watch the Hallmark, uh, you know, films frequently, and there's always that relational family experience that the, that the fathers uh, have with their families. And uh, she always said that she has missed that through the years. And so my question is, how can she uh, look at uh, God the Father as an earthly father in a loving way when she has not had that experience here um, growing up or even through the years as as a daughter who would yeah. look to her father in a loving way? Don, that's a great question. And we want to give time for Lisa to answer that question. So I want you to hold on the line. And uh, in just a moment, she's going to weigh, weigh in and kind of walk through the question and the issue. I think it's a great question. It's one that a lot of people struggle with as well. Last segment's coming up. We're talking to Lisa Bevere, 877-548-3675. And by the way, too, Don, you hold on. We're going to give you a copy of Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You, right after Lisa answers your question, and we'll take some more calls. Hang on. Hey, we're back. We're talking to Lisa Bevere about her new book, um, really just out, and it's called Fiercely Love, God's Wild Thoughts About You. And lots of calls have come in, which is great. Uh, we got just one more segment left, so let's jump into some of those calls. But Don had just before the break had asked about um, really the perception of an earthly father versus heavenly father. Lisa, let me just say that I relate very much to that question. Grew up in a very broken home. Uh, didn't understand the idea of a loving father at all. I should say, by the way, that my father and I are very close today, but it was years, decades before we were. Um, so I had no concept of even thinking about what a loving father would be like. So how do you bridge that distance to really understand, well, God's thoughts about you as you write about in Fiercely Loved? Yes. Well, I mean, I'm right there with you, Ed. I not only had the meltdown during the Hallmark movies, I would have the meltdown in my marriage. My father was 100% Sicilian. We led him to the Lord the last year of his life, but it was it was very dysfunctional, very violent, um, very broken. And I remember my husband paying for a lot of that. Uh, I would always push him away. I was afraid to give him my whole heart. And John, John looked at me one day and he said, Lisa, I'm not your dad. And I know my parents were divorced twice. He said, I know that you think all men leave. He said, but I am going to be with you. He said, now you might turn to me when we're 75 and say, oh my gosh, you're still here. He said, but we're going to miss a whole lot of fun in the interim. And so I had to get on my face and think, I do not want my husband paying for my lack of nurture from my father, this lack of unconditional love and feeling like I was never enough. And so I really spent some time in saying, Heavenly Father, I don't, I don't know how to receive your love. And I found this beautiful scripture where it says, you're a father to the fatherless. And this became such a revelation in my life that when I was utterly rejected by my natural father, that I was completely adopted by my heavenly one. And there was this revelation of this love 
that I had from my heavenly father that overtook this rejection from my natural father. And I'm just so excited, Don, that you love your wife so much that you would get on this call and she's going to be getting a book and I believe it's going to really touch her heart. Yeah, Don, let me mention to you as well that um, all these programs are available. If you go to edstetzerlive.com, you mentioned she wasn't able to listen right now. It is Saturday radio. We recognize that you know people aren't at the desk at the same time every day. Uh, but you can actually subscribe to this for everyone listening as a podcast as well. But within about 15 minutes of the show being over, Don, it'll actually be at edstetzerlive.com as well. Let's go to Renee. Renee in Florida. Renee, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead. Hi, I have a comment. I love your show. Um, my husband passed away last month, and I have gone through a lot of anxiety of how I was going to be provided for. My grandson had totaled his car that I had signed for and walked away from the accident, left me filling in all the blanks for the insurance. Um, I was not getting my husband's portion of his Social Security yet. Um, and then I had no insurance. Everything was ripped away from me. And in the mail the other day, I got a letter from my husband's uh, company stating that I have insurance and I don't have to pay for it. It's provided for me. The accident has been cleaned up by the grace of God and the gap insurance is going to be paying off the difference for that car. So God has shown up every day since I've lost my husband in mighty ways. And I am so thankful for a loving and gracious God. Oh, Renee. Renee, thank you so much for your encouraging words as well. We want to give you a copy. If you hold on. I'm going to, Karen's going to get on the line and give you a copy of that as well. I mean, so much of seeing God work reminds us, reminds us of his great love for us. Even in the midst of challenging times, he still loves us. But moments like that, when we just see that provision, they're, they're a window into God and his character. Talk to us a little bit about that, Lisa. I mean, I just teared up listening to Renee. That was so beautiful. And I just, I want every person out there to actually know that how he feels about Renee and the provision that he has, that's how he feels for each and every one of his children. And, you know, Ed, because I didn't have uh, the, the healthiest upbringing, I had to switch the way I looked at things where I had to start to think, I love my children so much. I love them so much. I would protect and I would provide. And if I love my children in that way, how much more a flawless God loves his children in that way. And Renee, you're such a testimony of that love. And thank you for sharing that. I am so sorry for your loss. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because she she went talking from, and, and Renee, thank you so much, she went talking from a loss to God's provision. And I think that one of the things that, you know, if people listen every week, and I'm sure everybody listens every week to the show, but, um, you know, last week we had Tim Challies on, who wrote about the death of his son, this untimely death of his son and his grieving process. And, and so how do we think about this God who loves us and thinks of us, in the midst of really difficult or challenging or even dark personal times. God's still loving. How do we walk through that? 
Yeah. So I, I have found every time that I went through a loss, whether it was the death of my mother or the death of my father, I felt like the veil thinned and I became more aware of eternity. And this life is, is a place we are passing through. And so I feel like whenever I look at it from an earthly perspective, it's always loss. It's always grief. It's always sad. But when I look at it through an eternal perspective, then I realize, wait, wait, this is a forever relationship and it will come out fresh, clean and new on the other side. And so that is for me, the way of doing things. Um, I also feel like pain is such a punctuator in our life. You know, Ed, I lost an eye to cancer when I was five years of age. And that very fact has been more of a connection point for women to understand that I, I get vulnerability, I get loss, I get self-consciousness. People connect with us based off of our struggles and vulnerabilities, and then they allow us to lead them from those positions to a position of strength. And I think too many people think they have to have it all together to speak into people's lives, and that is an impossible situation. Mm, such a good word. Um, you, we've got a little over a minute left. Tell us, you, you talk about when we've received the love of God, we have the capacity to love others. Tell us more about that. Well, first and foremost, I can't give what I don't have. And so when I have the ability to actually realize that God loves me, then it's like it's filling up my love bucket where I realize, okay, now if he loves me like that, that empowers me to love others in a way that I haven't been able to do in the past. I, you know, and I was not nice before I became a Christian. Maybe you were nice. I was a mean bitter person. I felt judged. So I judged other people. I felt unforgiven. So I was unforgiving. But when I received the love of God, when I felt like shame and judgment was off of my life, I didn't need to deflect it onto other people. I was able to actually see the traps of the enemy and speak life and cover them with the love of God. Mm, such a great conversation today, Lisa. I'm so thankful. Lisa and I were talking just off the air um, that I we have not met, and I, I, I we were close once. We both spoke at the same event once, I think. But I'm so yes. uh, thankful for the opportunity to read some of your books over the years, and and again here one that points us to the love of God. Such a timely message as well. So thankful for you. Let me again thank the whole team here that's working. We've got Charles, been man in the phone. We've got, I mentioned Karen Hendren, our producer, engineer Courtney Young. And as always, what a great group of callers today as well. Let me encourage you to tune in next week. I'm going to talk to Bill Denzel and Stephanie Shackelford about how you can find your God-given purpose and really seek to live out in the design that God has for you. Uh, as always, to, to hear today's program again, you can find it at edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app. You can connect all of those things through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And as I've always mentioned, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio. Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, and so thankful for our partnership there and for your, you taking the time to listen. Thanks again, live from London. Thanks for taking the time for Ed Stetzer Live. <laughs>